After the premieres of our interviews on Saturday night, we like to get together for a live show. It isn't Saturday Night Live, but it is Socialist Night Live. Hello and welcome to Socialist Night Live. Um, we have got some incredible guests. It's always good when you start with an um, because it tells the audience you really don't know what you're going to say. And that is really what's going to happen <laughs> every time on Socialist Night Live. It is uh, the most relaxed show you can possibly imagine. There isn't very much planning that goes into it other than like our guests come on. They're amazingly planned apart from if you give them like one hour's notice, Tina. So um, yeah, so <laughs> our guests are normally like our guests are normally much more planned than us and we're just like yeah let's just get some good guests on and that works out really well generally well we think it does anyway so I'm going to go around the panel I'm going to introduce people I'm Paul you probably know that if you've watched before if you haven't watched before welcome I'm Paul Laura hello everyone nice to see everyone I'm really pleased that I've managed to get through the day today without really burning my face I've actually been in the sun today I'm starting to see it go a little bit here but all I'll do there is just bump up the ring light a bit more just to bleach it out so you can't see the red lines on my face but yes I hope everyone's well I hope everyone's enjoying the sun um, and getting to actually do a few things um, we'll see if we are going to be set free at the end of the month doubt highly doubt it looks like it's going to be another month we were just talking about but yeah really excited really enjoyed tonight's show excited that we've got Alice here um, yeah just totally fangirling tonight I'm very happy <laughs> it's always good it's always good and Tina how are you doing yeah, I'm grand. I was having a lovely evening until I got an emergency, you know, do you fancy coming on and having prepared? And yeah, so we'll just be doing my usual, winging it, talking shite as per usual. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Thought I was going to be banned. <laughs> Always welcome here. Always welcome. And also, you're one of those people who we can really, really drop in it. And you will be able to talk about. Because you know, things. I'll never say no. That's why you know you play the sympathy <laughs> card on me. <laughs> you use that solidarity line a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about, solidarity. And uh, welcome to Alice. Hi, Alice. Hi. How are you doing? Can Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm Alice. I uh, am the singer in In Evil Hour, which I think we'll be talking about a bit tonight. Uh, we're a punk rock band based in the northeast of England. Um, I don't know. I've prepared a bit about kind of music and activism tonight, if we get into that. Um, but yeah, just very happy to be here. Legs are tired, walked 10, round, 10 miles around Hampstead Forest today, but it was lovely. Definitely recommend it. So yeah, just really nice to be here. Thanks, everyone. Brilliant. And we're really glad you've prepared something. You know, it's not banned. <laughs> You're not banned from preparing anything. It's just like we we just rely on the, the, the skill of our guests rather than like deep preparation. I'm really doing Laura. I'm doing Laura a disservice here as well because she is, is like the person behind the scenes who does all the preparation for guests and things like that the vast majority of it anyway so um sorry laura yeah you but know, it's... no it's okay because now that alice has prepared the three of us can just sit back and listen to what she's got to say wait oh hang on, so... hang on. <laughs> <laughs> every everyone quiz alice night <laughs> um, 
I'm going to do something that I'm supposed to do as well. Um, If you are watching on any medium whatsoever, do us a favor and subscribe to us on YouTube anyway, because we really like it when you subscribe to us on YouTube. Really helps the channel. Also on all the other platforms, give it a like, give it a share. Um, We really, really appreciate all the help you can give us in that that respect. Everyone always says this on, um, on live streams and stuff. And they say it because it's true. It does help you in the algorithm. It does help you get noticed and it helps the message get out. So um, if you wouldn't mind giving us a share or giving us a like, uh, if you're on Facebook, loves are better than likes and still and so on. Or you can even laugh at us if you want. You know, there's um, there's a few laughs coming already. So that's quite good. Um, right, that bit's over and done with. Oh, yeah, and also if you want to become a member of Socialist Think Tank, you can. Um, and... Uh, details i'm sure will appear in the in the chat somewhere in one of them you can see your you are the oh i'm pointing the wrong way there because uh, i'm in reverse over there you are the other guest so every single person in the world is um is the other guest if you want to be if your comment will appear on on the screen there you go so that's what we do we try and get the audience properly involved in this so please do get involved if you're listening on the podcast i'm really sorry you don't have that visual representation but you know i'm i'm sure you'll understand that we're doing this anyway okay so alice tell us about what you've like so you've talked about like i guess you're talking about like the power of uh music We've entitled this about the establishment, like, you know, challenging the establishment through, like, alternative means, really, through the media, through music and stuff, because, like, you know, we can see that uh, the media obviously is dominated by left-wing people. We're talking about this earlier on, weren't we, and laughing about how the the idea is. But you've prepared something. Let's go. Let's go for it. (laughs) Well, I've been thinking sort of as about music as a force for change, um, but realised as I'd started writing it that I'd... I'm, I'm perhaps not actually as much in the camp for music as a force for change as you might think I was. Um, I suppose with punk rock, which is the genre that I play and the scene that we kind of mostly play on as well, um, it's, it's a place where you'll tend to meet sort of motivated activist types, um, possibly more than perhaps other genres um, and possibly more than in other walks of life as well. It's, it's basically around the thing that in punk, like the idea of dissent, rebellion, questioning ideas, questioning the status quo is like encouraged um, and and a valued part of punk. But I think the more I was thinking about this, what we have to be careful to do is not confusing art with activism. I think there's an awful lot of us on the scene, myself included, especially when I was younger, who would think, you know, that we could change the world with our songs. And I think um, like Greg Graffin from Bad Religion has said a few things on this as well. Um, But we've got to be aware of the reach of our message, the potential reach of our message, and the idea that, you know, if you're in a scene that is is already full of kind of politically minded activist types, that essentially you may be preaching to the converted. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not professing to be a kind of expert as to why everybody sort of ends up in the, on the punk scene, but I would say it is these days particularly, especially rare for someone to come to punk who wasn't in already, who wasn't in some way already kind of like socially aware or socially active or left wing. Um, that is not to say that there isn't a quite a you know heavy right wing presence in punk. There definitely is, and that's definitely still you know very much a reality. Um, but I feel like people are often drawn to the music because they're already kind of feeling those things in the first place. Um, and the real challenge that we have as musicians, as artists, is the idea of getting our ideas out to other audiences or more mainstream audiences as well. 
because I think you know particularly you know if you you know you're quite well known on your scene or you play a lot of gigs it's quite easy to overestimate the sort of power and reach of your message and especially when the idea is that you're playing to a room full of people who probably already agree with quite a lot of what you're saying um there's this whole idea about the value or non-value of awareness raising. Um, I, I personally do think that awareness raising is, is valuable, but we have to be careful not to overstate the value of that because songs can open doors, they can start debate, they can introduce people to ideas that perhaps they haven't been introduced to before. I think, again, I'm, I'm going to talk about Bad Vision a lot because they're like my favourite band, but they're also credited um, you know, with bringing quite a lot of people's minds towards like social responsibility and stuff like that. Because lyrics can be somebody's first step into, you know, a viewpoint or a debate. Um, there is a comedian called Doug Stanner, um, who has sort of more fallen out of favour recently, but he did quite a good piece like a few years ago on awareness raising and how he thinks it's completely without value. He sees it as kind of, you know, somebody's fallen down a hill, broken their leg, and the, the awareness raiser is standing at the top going, look! And, that, and, that, and that's the extent of it. Um, and I, I, I think that is perhaps a little too simplistic because if you think about it in those terms, the person at the bottom of the hill is definitely glad that you have noticed them. Um, but perhaps I think he's talking a bit more about the more self-congratulatory self -congratulatory elements of um, awareness raising. Um, I can go on. <laughs> I've, uh, I think we've touched on this already as well. Because I was thinking too about the kind of, you know, the prevalence of kind of left-wing people in the media um, and this idea of kind of echo chambers and stuff as well. Because I, mean, I, think we've, I think you guys have mentioned Hollywood and it being, on the face of it, pretty left-wing. I mean, you can probably name the right-wing actors, the John Wrights of the world, probably on kind of one hand. We know exactly who they are because there's so few of them in those kind of circles. Um, and quite a lot of people in Hollywood seem openly left-wing. But it has been of limited influence on the on broader American culture, um, and if anything, doesn't it doesn't seem to do a lot to sort of like bridge any divide between the right and left, and if anything, seems to kind of deepen them as well. So I think it's that you know, as as punk musicians, as artists, we have to kind of look at these things in a broader context and see like how how minor our reach can be really. So having said all of that, which I know is quite negative, I had to sort of brought it around as to what we can actually do about this, and it's basically you know, um, it's a continuation of the campaigns, campaigns, translating that awareness raising into activism, being present, being prepared to enter into spaces and debates where your ideas are challenged and you can challenge others. Um, get out of your echo chambers, get out of your comfort zone, and most importantly, get a job that is not just in punk rock or music, that's something in which you can kind of, you know, actually demonstrate and, and work on your activism and, and based on who we're sitting with as well, you know, join a trade union. Um, and just bottom line is being realistic about the size of your audience and the reach of your message and what concrete actions are you actually taking. We have to be aware that particularly in the West, um, you know, Western music touches such a small percentage of the global population. And we tend to over, overestimate this completely. That It's like everybody hears what we're saying and they don't. You know, it's a very small percentage of the global population. And if you think about that with Western music, punk touches even fewer people than that. Um, and I think if anything else, it's like perhaps not listening to musicians about politics as much as we do. Um, and perhaps looking at the, you know, the reading lists on their albums and stuff like that. And um, we, we did a song about drone strikes a few years ago. We did a music video for it and we put 
the things that inspired us, the reading that inspired us, the academics that inspired us and the actual, you know, concrete information that we had, like, and we put it in the video. And so the idea is, okay, so if you've enjoyed the song, but these are the people you should be reading and listening to now, you know. <laughs> I think, but, you yeah. know, really think those points are, you know, incredibly valid, but I think I'd maybe counter a couple of things and maybe expand on one. I think, um, uh, I think I would maybe disagree wholeheartedly <clears throat> on the uh, the fact that maybe Hollywood is left-wing. I would say they're probably firmly in the capitalist centre. There are a handful of left yeah. and a handful of right, I would say. But I think American politics is so different. Ours, you know, Democrats are seen as left-wing when really they aren't, and some people support them. But that, that's the only one I really kind of disagree. But I think what you, um, just to kind of, I, I think, um, I, I firmly believe that the arts and, um Anything to do with the arts is incredibly popular and incredibly influential in enlightening people and an awareness raising of particular issues. And I think a lot of people have been drawn into activism through music, through, you know, books, through poetry, through, you know, all sorts of, you know, and I, th I think the arts is, is incredibly important because, you know, you become expressive and you express your views through those. I think 100% that... Um, and I think it's interesting because when you were talking about uh, punk music being, uh, you know, in a sense, narrow in its reach, you know, that we all have a certain reach. It made me think about social media and echo chambers. And I think every every element of, of, of every sort of um, platform that's used does have the capability of just maybe focusing on its um, own audience. But I think, you know, two things is one is that it's really important for encouraging people within that group people who follow that people who are within that echo chamber so to speak it's about motivation and inspiring so I think we all learn from each other but I also think as well that yes you can get too narrow in that and, and that's something for everyone to think about you know whether you're an activist on social media whether you're you know you're in that twitter echo chamber whether you're a musician whatever it may be but I think there is also the capacity to um, reach other people but I think it's about I think we have to remember you know you have to be quite disciplined don't you I think you have to not just focus on that uh, sort of inner, you know, navel gazing aspect of, of whatever it is you're doing. But I think it's, I, I, you know, completely think, you know, you're, you're spot on, you know, in what you said. Um, I, I don't know. I think that um, some of the greatest things have, have come from, you know, you know, if you think, for example, about, uh, you know, people are talking a lot about like Big Brother and I and a lot of the things like the, you know, people are going on about digital ID and people are talking about um, how the world is. And we focus a lot on George Orwell's 1984. So I think there are, you know, I think arts, plays, music and um, whatever the form may be, make the serious issues more relatable and make us able to um convey to people who maybe aren't as politically aware uh, as some of us are um it, it makes it easier to talk about the issues and, and raise awareness i think um the thing about raising awareness is that i'll go your i think your example was really good about the person who's fallen down the hill and you can raise the awareness of the fall the person falling down the hill but i think you're raising the awareness about the wrong thing the, the awareness is about why did the person fall down the hill what yeah, made yeah. the person fall down the hill yeah. um what, how did the person fall down the hill? How were they collected at the bottom? You know, how bad was the fall? That's, you know, I think some people, I think some of us misinterpret what we should be raising the awareness of. And that's sometimes where the, the message and the true importance is missed. So I think, you know, you know, we're, I mean, I'm definitely on the same page as you, but I think that 
what we have to do is consider the importance of the platform that we have and how can we get others who maybe aren't up to speed, you know, how can we get on their level to bring them to where, you know, that more awareness is. But yeah, you know, it, I, I like, I, you know, a lot of, I've just made me think a lot about some of the things that you were saying and, and how I've thought about them in, in similar ways, but maybe on a different sort of, you know, from a different perspective. And I do, I do think that's where music comes into the fore. Is it is that is that initial inspiration sort of drawing people in? And that, but that's that's where I think we have to be careful because yeah, you can you can start the conversation, but we've got to remember that you know a song, a three minute song, is not the same as kind of you know an academic paper. It's not the same as a as a think tank. You know, we have to sort of yeah be aware of where it kind of starts and ends. But yeah, agree, agree entirely. Um, I'm going to bring in Laura in a second, but I'm just the I'm going to bring in comments first because the comments have been really, really good. Lots of agreement there. Um, so Paul Smith's mentioned that grime music is also um, an activist music genre, and I think possibly more oh, yeah. out of ne- necessity. You know, like they've got that lifestyle that is, you know, they are coming from the poorest parts and they're highlighting well, what they're doing. Grime and rap is amazing at the moment. I mean, I had been thinking about, in, in terms of American politics, like Run the Jewels, Killer Mike, uh, one of the vocalists from that band, he, it's almost like his his music is an extension of his activism and not the other way around. Um, yeah, and and certainly over, over in this country as well. I mean, you had um, Stormzy set up a, a scholarship for young black um, people to go to university and stuff like that. And he got absolutely crucified for it because then people started saying that that was racist because it was excluding white people. Um, you know, and his whole thing was it was we need to get more black people to university. Um, you know, and I do, so I do think, you know, Storms in particular has been a bit of a lightning rod recently. I think he's brilliant, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of agreement out there with that. Um, and also, like, um, Kat Craig, great comment there. Um, the distinction between art and activism. I'm sure people can read it um, on the on the comments there, but really good comment. The other thing, again, Paul Smith again saying, um, actors in Hollywood tend to be liberal rather than leftists and left. Yes, yeah. right, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that happens here as well. So, like, at, at what you'll get is you get a different version of it here. You get, like, a lot of right-wing anger at someone like Gary Lineker. Mm. And you think, like, Gary Lineker is just, like, playing middle of the road. Yeah, well, he, he's just he's just he's liberal, centrist. isn't he? He's, he's yeah. Ce- yeah, but they're just yeah. as bad as the right-wing. They all end up centrists. Or they kind of take the moral high ground or want to take the moral high ground, but where they where their politics leads is exactly the same place as where the right wing lead. You know, it doesn't Can we have a pop at David Bedale? Yes. Actually, yeah. uh I know this is gonna be very um silly of me, but I'm gonna obviously make that comment anyway. But in that new, you know, the Ian Duncan Smiths where they did the parody of the three yeah. lines on the shirt. I was quite delighted that they put that in, the the little clip of, of Bedeal doing that, because that was racism at the end of the day. And I think he tends to, talking about the moral high ground, try to take the moral high ground all the time, forgetting that he was part and parcel of blackface, you know, and, and yeah. ridiculing someone, you know, based on their yeah. race. So, and he still hasn't apologised to Jason Lee. He apologised no. for being criticised about, he's like, well, I'm sorry if if when I blacked up and pretended that he had pineapples instead mm-hmm. of hair because of the if, because of his hairstyle that was you know part of his culture you know the, 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 it was awful 
absolutely awful and they bullied that man and his children were yeah. affected years and years later his mental health was affected and he's apologized to kind of like you did that rubbish apology like well if i offended anyone when i did this really offensive thing then i'm sorry, so sorry yeah but can we talk about what i'm offended by now but, please? yeah i was gonna say put, put the shoe on the other foot can you imagine if someone did that, having mocked him and, you know, his, you know, I mean, we would be talking about a completely different thing, you know, it's, you know, yeah, he, he's two-faced, he's just a hypocrite, well, you know, many of us, of course, are, but he's, I just can't stand that kind of, you know, it's okay for me to be racist, but not for someone to be racist to me, you know, none of it is acceptable, you know, and I think that's, that's really where we should be coming from on this, but, yeah, I think, Am I uh, something once something's telling me? I think I read something a while back, but I can't think. And I know I could just like Google it on my phone, but I'm too lazy to do that. And I'm having a drink, so I'm not going to bother. But I think, isn't did, did Tom Hanks come out with something really like liberally centrist not that long ago? Because I think I remember thinking to myself, oh no, I'm going to have to not like like any of those old films anymore. Just just think about Mark Ruffalo and you'll be fine. You, you know, he's all right. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's canny enough. Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance as well. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah. saw Mark Ruffalo get absolutely, he got crucified online, didn't he? First. I know, and then he backtracked. Yeah, well, and oh. that's it. And that's his, yeah, he did backtrack, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably told yeah. by sponsors um laura um right so you've probably got lots mm-hmm. to say on all those issues so please feel free to do that and also please feel free to talk about chardin's interview which i know is uh, one of your favorite socialist think tank ones because very similar to the charlie hardwick one we didn't necessarily just stick to talking about socialism we went off on tangents about music and things like that so yeah go ahead laura yeah <laughs> um God, where to start? Um, I think I'll start with um, what Alice was talking about in terms of um, that whole thing of preaching to the converted. You know, when you've got your audience, you're kind of preaching to the people who generally agree with you anyway. Um, in our case, when we started off, we were preaching to the bar staff because <laughs> there's never anyone at our gigs. Yeah, same. Um, I'm the dog that they brought with them. That's, yeah, we've done a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I think... I don't think it's necessarily that um, the messages within music aren't valid or really, really important. What I think is we have to tackle, as always, the capitalist system that allows really, really rich kids to now popularise everything and they're in the charts. And, and you know, yeah, we might listen to lefty music because we like it, but it's not exactly mainstream. Um and, and how to get those messages in, in mainstream music so young people can hear it and try and start to get engaged is mm-hmm. going to be a huge, huge um, effort. I know Sam Fender, I was listening to his music the other day and he talks about dropping bombs on guards and children. And I was like, oh, OK, then. So some people are allowed to do it. Yeah. So I, it might start filtering in. I think I do think that would make a huge difference um, because I do think music is such um an emotive medium and and one that really sticks with you and it can bring you know you can listen to a song years and years after you've heard it and it'll bring all those memories back and all those feelings back so it is a really powerful tool we just don't have the reach to make it powerful in the ways we need to in terms of being an activist but as Alice says, you know, that most musicians are in it not to be an activist, but to create something. Um, yeah. So the, the, it is difficult to 
sort of just go oh I really like music but I need to be an activist you know you don't want to destroy the thing you do for your passion um, I mean I suppose the other side of it is it oh sorry well I don't want to talk no no no, no. <laughs> we, we do, I mean there's another element of it that you do use it in a way to sort of channel your anger at certain you know it's a bit like screaming into the void I suppose as well I suppose similar thing about preaching the converted but you know we do channel a lot of the kind of you know directionless rage that we feel about you know the state of the world at the moment um and there is an element of catharsis and I think what you said there Lara is very important because with music being such an emotional medium I mean you know we, we know the science behind it music literally bypasses the rational centers in your brain and goes straight to the emotional center and and that I think is why it's important to link it with politics and link it with activism because in the same ways that they're incredibly emotional subjects as well um and and that is another way that you engage people as well yeah you know. but you're right in what you said it is an engagement tool it is not a tool to go and this is how you fix everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you know if our musicians could do that they'd rule the world um yeah. i mean most of you probably could to be fair um, do a better job than this shower um but <laughs> yeah and i just think it's I do think it's another thing that we have to use because we we don't have that much in our arsenal in terms of getting reach out to people. Um, and I do think the arts is is a way to do it. Um, whether you do it sort of um, veiled, a veiled attack on Boris Johnson or whether you just outright come out and say he's a knob, um, whichever way that is, I do but, think it's really, really important. And um, I think we're lucky in this country to be able to do that because there's many countries across the world where you would not be able to say my prime minister's a knob and I wish he wasn't in power, you know, without some serious repercussions, you know, there's, you know, many yeah, countries so across the world that we know political punks where they're not allowed, you know, to, to, to do their activism in public, you know, and they've- However, we could power. be very, we could very soon be in that position here. Um, I don't think we're very far away from it. And I think, um, you know, we need to be mindful of, I think sometimes there's a, Maybe it does lead from the liberal centre, but I think that there's a, a, a lot of times where we're almost kind of made to feel in this country that, you know, um, we're really, we should be really lucky for like the democracy that we have. But just because we, we can, you know, and I think we have to, you know, see really how, how close we are to, to not having... I mean, we, we live in a sham of a democracy. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, the, the, the last, you know, 18 months has shown exactly that. Um, and I think we're very, very close to losing a lot more. And, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe are, are unwilling to acknowledge that. Um, mm. And I think, you know, things could very well in the next, um, in the next, you know, year or so go, go down a very dark road. And I think, you yeah. know, we have to be willing to, to fight against those things. It's really, really interesting you say that because, and I've been saying this for quite a while, and I, it comes across as ridiculously far-fetched, but actually these ideas are not far-fetched. And somebody said, was it you, Paul, who said 1984 turned actually out to be a manual on how to do capitalism properly. <laughs> I do think if you look at things It was the double like, think thing. It was the double think and the yeah, double speak that, like, say, it was, it was Matt Hancock cock saying well i didn't say we threw a protective um shield around the uh, yeah. around care homes he never said this and that. he never did say this it was stricken from the record yeah and, and, it's, yeah. and it's like Crazy. you've got video footage of this thing happening and the only difference between like 1984 is that they would have destroyed that video whereas that video still yeah. exists but he's still insisting that he's not lying but continue sorry 
yeah no no it's fine it's just that I'll get really I, you know I tend to get obsessed with things I'm watching so at the minute I'm I haven't read it yet uh, I know I should but I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale and it's awful and it's upsetting but for me the most upsetting thing about it is that I don't think it's far-fetched mm-hmm. I could totally see it happening I really could and the terrifies us because these things just keep getting slipped in under the wire and nobody argues, and nobody notices, and it just, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And Tina, like you said, our democracy is laughable. It's non-existent at the minute. We've got a government in power that basically tells us what to do and lies to us about all sorts. And the, surely the whole idea is that we elect these people to represent us. That idea doesn't exist. That That's farcical. That is more laughable than the fact that Hamid's Tale might actually become a reality for me. Are you looking it's at something? Scary. I don't know if any of you have seen um, the documentary. I can't remember which one. It's, it's maybe on Amazon Prime. Shame, shame to say it. But a uh, documentary made about um, Jamal Khashoggi called The Dissident. Um, if you haven't seen it, I really strongly recommend watching it. Um, and it's obviously, you know, about um, the background of it, you know, what happened to Khashoggi and, you know, what he was kind of involved in. And to me, his case and um, more close to home, the case of Julian Assange, um, say an awful lot about the state of where we are. And we have a government who um, see the Saudis as um, a, as a friend, as people, you know, we, we, we fund we are complicit in in war crimes in Yemen alongside them. And they butchered a man to death for speaking the truth, for challenging authority. And nothing has been done about nothing that. Nothing happened. Nothing. And, and when yeah. you watch the dis, I, I, I honestly really recommend watching The Dissident. It's an absolute one of the best documentaries I've ever made, uh, I've ever watched. A really, you know, it's really, really very powerful to see. Just, you know, there's there's some things in there that, you know, you, you really interest in. But then even more so on a domestic side, you know, we look at Julian Assange, who is still in jail, still in segregation, still in solitary confinement, you know, for speaking the truth, for releasing things that led to a change in what the, you know, American um, foreign policy was. You know, we know, you know, what he revealed and we know that, you know, we're damn lucky that somebody did do that because these things would still be going on. And yet, you know, we... We see, you know, falseness and, and fake sort of uh, commentary from the, the foreign office come out about other countries and their, you know, their lack of democracy and how much, you know, we are a bastion of democracy and how, you know, America, is, you know, they're trying to say America is the bastion of democracy. And I think, my goodness, you know, the truth is there, you know, and and what I can't, and it, it's kind of going back to what Laura was saying that, um, you know, in the doublespeak, it's like, you know, Matt Hancock can blatantly say something completely untrue, but there's nobody there calling it out. Where yeah. are the voices from the media? As Laura, you know, we're both we're both qualified journalists. A journalist, you know, the basis of a journalist profession is to report fact. And that's just not happening. And it's like I, I often I don't know if, you, if you're the same, but I often you know, don't really watch much mainstream news. But when I do see things, I'm kind of like, am I in an alternate reality? You know, I do that all the time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure when I was at university, I was told that you can't lie. I'm sure that was like one or one. Don't yeah. lie. And they will still give airtime to things that are blatant lies as well. Yeah. It's mm, almost yeah. like you sort of you have to give both sides. But we know for a fact that the one side, you know, there's all the stuff about Trump saying that, you know, the election was stolen from it and stuff. And even now, when he comes up in the newspapers, we'll still have them. Oh, this is what he said. 
and, and we're still yeah. repeating it, you know, and we've yeah. ended up in this kind of like post-truth politics, yeah. lack of consequences for the fact that the people can just now, mm-hmm. I mean, two days ago, we found out that, you know, Matt Hancock and Dominic Cummings were found to have broken the law in, in, in awarding yeah. contracts to people. Nothing will happen about it. And absolutely nothing will happen. You know, if I go into a shop and steal a lipstick, there will be consequences for that, you know? And so there are more consequences for me doing something that doesn't, you know, really disrupt the order of things. Yeah. But and, like, and look, at, you know, yeah. yeah, look at what's happening in Northern Ireland at the moment. They have caused civil unrest. You know, there's rioting going on. There's protests going on. At something that the main party in Northern Ireland and the British government signed an agreement on, they knew what that agreement meant. Meant they knew what the consequences were. Yet, because the government are playing this, you know, this game of this isn't the truth, we're not speaking the truth. They have got people so angry and so worked up about something that you know we are seeing violence on the streets and. You know, there are, like you say, there are consequences for that for the ordinary person, but for the people who are, the people who are causing that, and it's a known thing that happens quite regularly in Northern Ireland, where politicians like to stir up the trouble, and then run home to their little mansions and and not have to deal with the consequences. But ordinary people have to pay the price of this, and you know, this is it's just when will it end or where will it end? I just. Well, I just don't not, know. Not well, but and, and no. I wonder too if it's because we are governed by a class of people who themselves have having never had to deal with consequences, have never had to, you know, make a yeah deal with consequences of their actions. I remembered one really like stunning quote, like quite early on, you know, before they would put before they put us in lockdown in around February last year. Um, it was the it was well it was the evidence when, when Cummings was giving it. Um, and he basically said that one of the main reasons that they wouldn't put us in lockdown was because not a single member of the cabinet believed that people would actually follow it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and actually, when it came down, there was a, people were compliant. They wanted to do it because it was for the, the common good. But we are governed by a class of people who would never even, it, it, the rules don't apply to them. Yeah. And, they, and, and so they wouldn't follow it. And so they were like, well, why would anyone else? And so it's it completely devoid of any kind of, you know, common and they, they never will have to pay they never will have to pay for the consequences you know but you know at the same time we as a class don't make them pay the consequences you know so for example you know 37 billion was wasted on in some app that didn't work and yeah. i i'm sitting here uh, like i i get angry but i think why aren't people angry about this so we as a class we we kind of bring it on ourselves by kind of being, you know, by, by, by being susceptible to the deflection, by, you know, being distracted by the things that they distract us by and forgetting about what the, the issues are. And, and then they have the audacity to say that the public isn't interested. Oh, but they <laughs> aren't, though, because they're but they're more interested in whether Harry's kid named whatever and, you know, whether is you know, they do the fall for the tricks and, you know, it's it's simple divide, divide and conquer. And we have to stop doing it, you know, and mm. un, until we do that, you know, they will never pay the con- pay for the consequences of their actions. They will never have to face, you know, the judgment that they should. And we are the many, you know, and if we would, you know, kind of harness the messages that do come from music, that do come from, you know, uh, poetry that does come from plays, if we all the things are there. So it's like you're saying, you know, like uh, go back to your point where the music's put out there, the message is there. 
but people don't really kind of connect the the dots it's kind of like look it's all there you know there's historical music there's historical poetry there's historical plays that all say this is going to happen but you have the power and we're all kind of going oh yeah wasn't that a great song wasn't that a great film and then go back to life and kind of you know forget about it again you know we have there's we have to find that way of making the connection last about making it be kind of real and to the now and okay kind of it flicks the switch and makes us you know counter that message of they're all the same or what's the point it's only going to happen this we have to kind of we have to harness that again mm. and, and try and make it more more permanent rather than it just being a fleeting kind of thought I think there's a massive element of that whole um as you say um people fall for the tricks and fall for the distractions that are presented to us but actually I, I think there's a massive part of it that is people are getting angry about stuff but the political system is designed in a way to put normal working class people off it it's not welcoming it's not easy to follow they've got archaic rules and procedures and all of this and mm. it's not entertaining is it? it it's not and it's not delivered in a way that seems relevant at all and that's all on purpose to of keep course. us from being involved at all Pol- politics um, won't change it but that doesn't mean that we can't resist things and I think oh, absolutely yeah and, well think, that's that's what I'm saying that's why yeah. the music side of it and, and talking to people on a normal person's level rather than yeah. making it ridiculous and, and pompous is is the way forward and that's why I think um going back to Alice's original point that's why I think it is so important I know yeah. it, it's probably music probably isn't going to save the world but it'll certainly stoke a fire um that might start something Definitely. And I think I think we've we've got to be more local in in, you know, we've got to go away from this kind of Reagan and Thatcher individualism and build our communities again. And that this is why, you know, I'm this is why I'm kind of worried about the motivations of a lot of these lockdowns and a lot of this, you know, social stopping people from socializing again, because I think they've found the key to stopping people connecting with each other. And it's about, you know, they'll, they'll on the one hand say, this is all about, you know, public health. But really, I think they're quite happy that we can't go to gigs, that we can't congregate and meet in groups and organize because, you know, it stops us from realizing our power. And, you know, it, it makes people think on the individual basis again. And I think we've got to get back to that community feeling we've got to get back to that the fact that we are a collective and as a collective we're stronger and as a collective we make change and I think you know we've got to remember those things we've got to build on those if we do that and we build locally then we can change the mechanisms of power because we realize our own strength you know and I think you know it's 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 upon us here more maybe more politically aware to get back to trying to force that to happen again I think you know it's on us to to try and do that and and link up with the people who are already trying to do that as well I I think that's where the key is it's kind of local activism because as you say when you think about it in that term of like you know a national cult of personality around you know Boris Johnson um you know what the Conservative Party have kind of created it feels insurmountable. And I think that means a lot of the time, you know, because I do it myself, you know, if it's too big, sometimes you do disengage because it's like, I can't, yeah. what, what can, you know, everyone goes, oh, well, you don't think you can make a difference if you've ever been in bed with a mosquito. But in real terms, 
it is difficult for a single person to enact, you know, necessary change. And I think that's where the local activism becomes more important because the places where you can enact direct change is in your local community. Mm -hmm. Um, and you and get that, confidence from it, don't you? And get confidence from yeah. it. And then you can broaden that out into making links with other local communities. Yeah. And that's how you build that kind of, you know, stronger um, it's like building, collective. It's, it's like building the daisy chain, you mm. know, and building, you know, it, it's linking things up. And the more links you have, the stronger it gets. And then you become this bigger force that can then change things nationally. I think that's mm. why I always kind of talk about the bottom up approach. Well, you know, if you look at the top down, you can look and like, like you say, how can we face this one big challenge? But we're looking at it the wrong way. We've got to build our alliances. We've got to make our base strong. And then Maybe we- Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, I think, I think I've just, you've just exploded my own point here in the sense that yes, perhaps this is where we start. It's the local gigs and then it's kind of, so yeah, the punk scene can in little kind of, you know- Of course capsules. it can. Yeah. <laughs> Massively so. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it did lead to sort of direct stuff for me as well because I was really influenced by a band called The Restarts from London. Um, they did a lot of work when the, the Calais Jungle was was active, mm -hmm. and we ended up going over there three times in a year. You know, based on their kind of like community activism yeah. around that and stuff, and so that was a direct, you know, influence on me, and then led to some mm -hmm. you know, actual actual work that we could do. Um, it's the same. It's the same with anything. You've got to build your your base, and you build that around you know where you are, and 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 then that gets bigger and wider and wider and wider. And next thing you know, you know you're kind of like worldwide famous because you've got this huge you know following. And it's the same with politics. It's the same with activism. It's the same with anything. You've reached to where you are, where you can initially reach out, where your you know your base is, and and who you know your contacts, and then they have contacts, and it ripples out. You know, but I think we've. I think we've kind of forgotten about that. I think, you know, we've kind of, you know, because we, we almost are so desperate for the for the big changes that we look to the top and think you, we need to get rid of you, you know, but the only way to get rid of the top is to cripple them from the bottom from first. The bottom, yeah. <laughs> parts, yeah. 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 Can I bring in a, a few comments, by the way? Oh, there's, there's one aspect as well I want to, want to point out. Sometimes we get accused on the left of being really, really serious and really, really, like, a lot of people think we're incredibly boring. That's quite put out there. I think part of, like, that musical activism side of it proves that we're not boring. And also, we've got to have some fun in your life, don't you? You've got to enjoy what you're doing. And I think that's another aspect of it as well. If you if you're expressing yourself in different ways and you're enjoying yourself or you feel more fulfilled because you've done that. I think that's a part, an important part of activism. Um, there's been some brilliant, brilliant comments. Uh, Rock Against Racism was mentioned mm -hmm. about what, like the changes that that made and the changes that music can make. make. Um, Leanne Powell came up with an absolutely cracking one. She was talking about, um, she was when we were talking about like uh, the way we're being governed at the moment. She said, uh, "That's it in a nutshell. We are governed by people who have never had consequences to their actions," mm -hmm. and I think that is such a profound comment and so true because, like, you know, that's how we feel, and 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 this is true, isn't it? Boris Johnson has never felt a consequence. You know, he's he's lied and been sacked but it didn't matter that he was sacked because he was rich and then break the law, nothing happens I mean yeah. even I don't I, I'm not religious at all I don't care about this but even the fact that he can get married in a Catholic church just because of who he is when he's been twice divorced and so yeah. you know you can yeah. just kind of piggyback up there just because of by virtue of his status there's no consequences for you know or, you know no 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 consequences at all 
but it, 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 they I mean, justified it is that, didn't they? They justified yeah. that by saying that the the well, previous marriages didn't count. They were Anglican marriages, marriages. They didn't count, you know. So they're well, like they utter bullshit. Yeah. yeah, but you know, this is the thing. I don't even think that it's you know this isn't just reduced to the likes of who we're governed by now. There's a historical aspect on this, and this goes back, you know, multiple multiple governments, multiple leaders. You know, we're still, you know, we still have, you know, an ex Labour prime minister who, you know, is responsible for, you know, over a million deaths, you know, by starting a war, who is now able to come on TV and, you know, give advice to the current government. Why do they keep wheeling him out? If anything, it's more damaging. Put him yeah. back in his box and get him to stay but there. He, because they're right. all one of the same. They're all the same, regardless of what colour they were. They're still mm -hmm. the same. The establishment is always the same and the establishment will always protect itself. And, it's you rare know, weekly interventions. Oh, for God's sake. But but it's true. Another though, rare you know? intervention by Blair. It's like, come on, it's not rare, is it? Yeah, he's out there every two weeks giving giving his two pence, you know. That that was one of the biggest betrayals to me as well, because I literally remember when I was a kid, uh, I think I, I must have been eleven years old, and my mum woke me up that morning in nineteen ninety seven with the words Labour landslide victory, you know, and I was like, This is it, man, you know, not really understanding. And then as I've got older, realising that, that was they basically it just was tired. No they're basically just diet Tories, and that was yeah. why they got in. And then, yeah. and now we're, you know, we're in this position where the Labour Party is literally tearing itself apart um, because it's of the right, back. you know, the it's battles between the right and left. Can't even call it a socialist party anymore. It's got socialists in it. But yeah. It's never been a socialist party, but that's for another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We nearly did it. We nearly didn't mention Labour for an entire I know. hour. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's my fault. I, I, got in. I reverted to talking about the the bastard walk that's still walking. Yeah. Well, we have to we have to give a content and trigger warning if we're going to start talking about Tony Blair. Apparently. <laughs> I get that. Well, uh, to be fair, though, back in, I, I'm only sort of a newcomer to understanding all of this. And I was a lot older than 11. And was I a lot older in 1997? I was about 15. 16. 16. Um, and I remember thinking, I remember watching Love Actually and going, oh, Still they must have based him. Oh, they must have based oh, him. Oh, bother. Because they're exactly <laughs> the same. That's the kind of leader we need. And uh, oh, uh -huh. so I'm like, oh horrible it's not the same at all bring back Hugh Grant no don't but he was oh he god was no based on what would happen <laughs> terrible he's another, sexual he's agenda politics liberal. in that film as well we're not yeah. <laughs> maybe that's another, <laughs> another conversation in that one is but it was loosely based you... on that, though, wasn't it? It wasn't. It was Billy Bob yeah, Thornton was no, meant was, to be George W. Bush, Bush, and then yeah. it was what would happen if Blair actually had principles Stood and a backbone, even if he was a bit liberal and wishy-washy and all those kind of things. If he actually did go, actually, no, we're being told what to do by America, but I don't think that was ever the case. I'm more into the like, you know, there was the whole wag the dog thing. Remember the George Michael video, um, where it was. Where Blair was, like, was Blair just was as much up for it as Bush. I think oh, yeah, people like well always want, yeah, people want to get you know, kind of give him a Bible. But I think everything ever since has shown exactly you know where he is. Let, let let's leave his conversation. We're going to spoil our Saturday night and his uh, and his and the rest of the viewers if we continue to talk about him. You know, my fault. Let's for talk about Shardine instead, shall we? All right. Yeah. Let's talk about Shardine's interview. I absolutely loved it. And I thought I just, I've 
we met Shardine doing the political education project stuff. Um, and she was one of the speakers on that. Um, if you don't know about the political education project, you've missed um, the first block um but you can go back and and have a look at it can't you and we've got all the readings on our podcasts on our website um but she was brilliant and um so we asked her to come on the show at that point i didn't even realize she was in a band let alone a mint band that was really really good and signed to um for a little while to jack white's label who's my hero um and she's a writer our guitarist told me to tell you that the white stripes are shit tell gareth I'll tell him myself. It's fine. He, he likes to. He like um, Alice's guitarist likes to wind me up a lot about many things. He does. Um, it's kind of a lot of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I like the White Stripes and Jack White's incredible, and um, he's got a record label and in her band, Shardine's band, were on that for a while. She's also training to be a lawyer. She's. Um, she's. Oh yeah, she said she was doing a master's, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She's been signed to like a, a, she's got a writing agent now because she's going to be a writer and she's a really, really busy activist. And I'm just like, bloody hell, <laughs> how much stuff do you do? Um, and I really, I just thoroughly enjoyed her interview because she just was so genuine. Um, and I, it was just, yeah, just everything about it. I really loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really nice to hear somebody talk about music again. I've missed doing music. You know, I, I'm, I'm just a bit worried you don't have enough guitars there, Alice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a few. Yeah. Like, insane. What? I've, what? I've, this old I've thing? Got one. Oh, <laughs> None of them are mine. I just need to say that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Probably, yeah, it's probably a few too many. Might have to have words about that. <laughs> but yeah, it was just nice to talk to somebody about music again and the importance of it and and what it can do. And yeah, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought she was brilliant. It just was really inspiring, particularly um, a particularly inspiring one for me. I don't that know was great. Yeah, I, I, watched, I watched most of it. I did. I did miss the end because I went to put some eyeliner on. <laughs> yeah, and also you had to come and sign into this call, so like you know. We'll we'll yeah. forgive you that one. Don't worry. Don't <laughs> worry about that one. Um, yeah, I think it's something that again, like back to what I was saying before, we've got to make sure that we are talking about things that are fun as well in socialism because it is a really hard slog. I actually think it's a really really hard slog, and I think we get really tired if we just do things that are like you know just work all the time you know and everything's about the work you know you've got to do things in different ways which is why labor grassroots which was stand up for labor and stuff was was a really nice thing where you would have a stand up gig um th that kind of thing and that people can relate to although people thought you weren't allowed to come unless to like we put one on a stand up for labor gig in Sedgefield in Newton Aircliffe and we um and we had people saying, oh, I didn't realise I was allowed to come. Because well, you were a um, card-carrying member of the Labour Party. Yeah. we, <laughs> we credentials had, um, <laughs> What do you call him who won Britain's Got Talent? Um, oh, the one oh, from Teesside. I can't remember what his uh, name is. James Arthur. No, no. No, oh, that thing the, co no. the comedian, uh, Lost Voice Guy. Lost Voice Guy. Oh. Lost Voice Guy came on and people were like, I'd have loved to have seen that. But... Um, but, you know, I, I didn't feel like I could have come because, like, you got to be a Labour supporter to go there. I was like, no, the whole point was just come, you know, have a nice but night. it's like the Miners Gala, though. I mean, that, that is a fantastic way 
I don't know. I, it's been, obviously, it's not been on for a couple of years, has it? Which has been a bit of a, you know, a bit bereft. But um, you know, going to something like that, and it's like going to protest, isn't it? That's you know, when you're in a when you're in a space with people that you know politically hear you and understand you, that can be really powerful, a powerful thing to do. And you know, with what you're saying there, it is making me realise that yeah, probably a music festival is one of the the easiest ways to kind of like bring people together you know, all under one roof and to be able to kind of discuss and share ideas and do it in a more fun setting because, yeah, chatting to the guy on, um, you know, the, the corner who's trying to sell you the socialist workers, maybe not quite as interesting. <laughs> yeah, I saw a great T-shirt the other day. It was like, no, I don't want a copy of the socialist worker. <laughs> <laughs> Such a niche T-shirt. Um, <laughs> Kat's saying oh, uh, actually, that... Um... I wanted to ask Alice about something. So um, I know that you guys do quite a bit of activism. Um, I wanted to ask you about there was there was a there was some campaign you were involved in, and you were all wearing the same t-shirts, and it was like it really stood out. And I remember there was a few bands in the area who were wearing them recently. I can't even remember what the slogan was. But do you I've, do that a lot? I, I can't even remember what you mentioned here. When when was this? Oh God! It was when I was allowed into the office. <laughs> oh, okay, so it might have been two years ago. Two years ago. Maybe. Oh no! Solidarity, not silence. That's what it was. Yes. Oh, yeah, because that was it. Yeah. So, uh, well, part of that was um, it's a group of women who are basically getting sued by this guy um, on the punk scene for basically calling him out for shitty sexual relationship behaviour, basically. Um, and so they had quite a kind of campaign against him. So it's, it's basically to kind of like raise, raise money for their legal fees and stuff like that so they can sort of defend themselves legally against this guy. Because mm. it's that whole thing about how the justice system is basically set up to support people like that in the sense that it's very difficult to prove things that have happened in personal relationships with people. You know, if, if somebody's, you know, been abusive or, or anything like that, you know, if there wasn't anybody else there to witness it, it's, it's very difficult to actually get any response in the courts from this. And so, you know, this man has taken the what the route that most men can take in the sense that he says, well, if you think I've done this, then prove it. Um, and so they're, you know, they're basically, yeah, so that, but we do, I mean, you know, we, we, we do our activism where we can. I mean, Gar's very involved here with a group called No Sweat. And I think he's been speaking on this, in this, this yeah, podcast been on- before about it. Um, and he's managed you know, he's done quite a lot of work getting the trade unions to order their T-shirts from kind of socially responsible unionised um, workers um, in different areas of the world. Um, I don't know. And yeah, we, we, and then it's just kind of the jobs we do as well. I mean, most of the active, activism, I don't know if you can necessarily even call it that, but most of what I do isn't even, isn't even through the band, you know, because, you know, Gar obviously works for a trade union. I work um, in safeguarding in FE, but that was basically translated now to working with mostly unaccompanied asylum-seeking children who've ended up in Teesside. Um, and honestly, you know, these kids will come out of a shipping container and they'll have them in education within a couple of days, you know, absolutely traumatised. Um, there's a huge difficulty in even accessing, you know, the most basic mental health support for these kids. You know, there's huge amounts of, like, mis- misinformation around, floating around about how people get kind of gold-plated lives when they come over here as an asylum seeker, when I know that these kids are literally living hand-to-mouth on about £37 a week. Um, you know, and they can't work because they haven't got leave to remain. You know, all they want to do is be able to give back to their communities, and they live these in- incredibly isolated lives um, and suffer the consequences of that. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, the thing is, we haven't had a chance to do anything with the band properly for, you know, two, coming up two years now, basically. I think it was last, I think it was January 2020 when we last played a gig. Um, See, but that then leads me to believe that um, it's a chicken and egg situation, isn't it? But mm. I think that punk and probably grime and all, all the art forms that lend themselves to activism are the one it, it's kind of you have to be that type of person anyway to get involved in that so yeah. then your music can be a tool because you're that type of person it's obviously you love music and you make amazing music and I've popped the link in the chat on Facebook please go and check out the band it's incredible I will do the same on YouTube shortly but go in evil hour check them out they're amazing uh, buy their stuff and they've got amazing t-shirts buy no sweat which is where we get our merch from now yeah. as well so yeah do that um but yeah it, it's kind of like the two go hand in hand it's not just like you're a musician who oh actually maybe i'll use this as an activist tool and yeah, yeah. you kind of always i'm going to be a musician well that was similar to what i was saying before you're kind of already in that camp it sort of lends itself to that but it's, in, it's similar to what you were saying though in that you have to be careful not to sort of burn yourself out essentially because you know and, and, and do this a lot through work because i'll get like you know, I get supervision through work to basically talk about, you know, the, the, the more hardcore cases that you're working on. You can get a bit of advice. You can see sort of like basic counselling and stuff like that. Nothing like that for sort of grassroots activism. And it is really difficult. It's really easy to kind of burn yourself out, especially when you're in a culture where, like we were saying, everything can kind of seem insurmountable sometimes and you can feel very isolated with it. Mm. Mm. Um, a couple of comments come in. Uh, Mark Lungley has said, "We shall overcome a cool." That's like Joe Solo's thing, and yeah, mm. we love we love Joe, and Joe's got a great interview on uh, on Socialist Think Tank as well on our or- Origin series. Um, oh, by the way, that tonight was our last Origins for a little while, wasn't it? We're gonna it was we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna scale back the um, pre-recorded things a little bit and concentrate more on the live stuff. We'll do we'll do some every now and then for special occasions, but yeah, um, we've got like thirty nine of them, I think, which is we have a lot of content, pretty, pretty incredible <laughs> in a year. Like we've got loads, loads and loads. But um, yeah, so so that's, that's uh, more late, last minute phone calls for Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I got another job. <laughs> just, we'll we'll just send you the diary. We'll just send send you the diary, Tina. Um, and uh, we've also um. Liana said, I think we need a socialist think tank band. Now, this is sort of a plausible thing, um, although I wouldn't have time to do it, even though, and it wouldn't be very good if I was doing anything. But anyway, because we used to be in a band, me and Laura used to be in a band. I suppose we're still in a band because it never broke up. Well, it never broke from, up, so. On hiatus. Not playing. Yeah. Yeah, on permanent, <laughs> on permanent hiatus. But like <laughs> when you were talking about lyrics and stuff like that, or every single one of my things was a, every single song I wrote was like me being angry about a head teacher or something or you know like some awful person it was all trade union based and no one could ever tell it was always like in metaphor and stuff but um yeah (laughs) but yes so I suppose that could be a thing but if you look to the past and pretend that was the socialist think tank band I guess um, if you wanted to, I will say we've, uh, we've been we've been struggling to write our own music at the moment. I can't really say that we'll be able to take on any more projects at the moment. There's been a bit of a de- dearth of creativity. Lockdown kind of breeds breeds that. I think really, um, we kind of need to be getting back out there and doing. What stuff. you're inspired by that lamp? That lamp's looking well, particularly it, good tonight. 
yeah I mean that's it isn't it because I don't know I I think as well when things get on top of you right Gar can Gareth the guitarist he does yeah he he does write quite most of the lyrics um but I don't know yeah it's when things things aren't happening you can find and I find it difficult to kind of like articulate myself particularly on subjects where I'm very very passionate about it I mean we've only recently written a song with a kind of feminist leaning and that's that's like my big obsession um but I've never I could give you a 2,000 word essay but I couldn't put it into a song um but we've just managed to get something out um which we put out soon actually it's about toxic masculinity <gasps> awesome you're coming back on the show when that's out <laughs> I'm excited yeah. for that yeah and um also he is one for you um paul smith has said can anyone tell me if there are any funny right-wing comedians they always complain that they don't get booked for gigs or not seen on tv i always say that they're not funny and wasn't there that guy that was like i'm not booked for comedy because i'm not a lesbian or a or a black man, or because he was a, a straight white comedian. He, he, they not seen the panels on the, you know, like Mock the Week or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It is normally straight white men generally. Yeah, yeah. You know, like say, like, are you a straight white man? Yes, right. We'll have you. But um, you know, that it's it's this bizarre thing where they think that they're hard done to. So do can we think of any right wing comedians that are funny? I suppose you don't really know what someone's true leanings are in comedy. Um, some oh. people can proclaim to be a certain way, but can make their comedy, you know, seem, you know, something completely apolitical. Um, Is it, what's that guy's name? The, the one who, like, blusters all the time. Is it Michael McIntyre? Oh, yeah. Well, he's, he's the harsh one. He's, the, he's definitely the a Tory. He's oh, you know that Tory, though, you know that it? thing that everybody does that's hilarious, and then him. Reason... Apparently, uh, he is not only really irritating and not funny. Some I know some of your friends think he's funny. I don't, um, but I think he's right wing and also apparently a right bastard. I bet he's a Tory. He's got to be. He's posh. You know, he's, but he's not funny. One. He's not um, funny though, is he? Yeah. Like I don't Maybe. think I've ever laughed at him. Maybe but he makes a lot of money out of being funny. <laughs> I, I can't even think of anybody. Like, what What we're talking here? Like, Roy Chubby Brown. Fucking, sorry, am I allowed to swear? No, Jim yeah, yeah, Cosha, yeah. Um, Jim, Jim David. David. We David. talked about him at work, and we not were like, funny. he was, like, when you watch his funny. 70s stuff, it's just not funny. It's just really, really horribly offensive. I saw, um, a, I saw a Roy Chubby Brown tribute act once at a work in men's club. Oh, my God. Many years ago. And I had a partially Why shaved head and I won, I won the raffle. I won the raffle, man. Went up to collect my bottle of vodka and I had a partially shaved head and he went, what is it? Is it a lad or a lass? And the whole room seemed to think it was funny. Oh. But it's just like, honestly, I mean, that was like 2000. I mean, that you know, that was in the 2000s. It wasn't mm. like, you know, it wasn't any sort of significant amount of time ago. I refused to go on a staff night out that was to go and see Roy Chubby Brown. <laughs> Um, yeah, with, like, that's what I found the most uh, shocking. Really, tribute to him. Bonkers, is he dead? No. no. First thing he ever did was lend his name to the town in the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, Royston yeah, Mersey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I can't think. There was that guy who they put on the on the BBC panel for diversity because there were no white white conservative supporting men 
on that. You used to be sometimes. Oh, you used don't to have enough of those. See, the problem <laughs> is, uh, like, you had the Daily Mash. The Daily Mash it used to be really, really funny when it was the Daily Mash newspaper, and then they had the Mash Report, which became a bit like liberally centrist, and then and then uh, they got on this guy. Oh, I can't remember what he's called. You remember him, don't you? He was like this really bland I man. I know exactly who you mean, and I can't think of his name. Sorry. He, he, he was rubbish. But anyway, he ended up on a BBC diversity panel because the BBC had argued that on their diversity panel, there were no white men who supported the Conservatives. Voice and of the voice they were, and, The voice they of were, the they were a, Yeah, there was a, but they were saying that that is an underrepresented voice. And like the honestly, man. Jesus, man. Never mind. Never mind talking about um the maybe shit right wing comedians. I think you know to, to to maybe focus a bit more on on the positive. Not not that I'm known for doing that. Um, <laughs> going for comedians that I think you know on the left who are absolutely fucking amazing. Um, maybe who aren't here anymore. But my one of my favorites is Bill Hicks. Oh, oh yeah, Bill Hicks. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. By the free. way, we've been furnished with free. the name of the guy. Yeah. We've been fur- just before we go further. Out money. That was always my favourite quote of his. Oh yeah, I, I, I love just the East just got some absolute classics, and you know, I just yeah, you know, good, good comedian. I think that there's. Oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the. There's a guy I was going to recommend his uh, his shows. They were on Vice, but you know, whenever you just kind of caught last minute, I can't think of his name. Stuart Lee. Um, no, Jamal um, Maddox, Jamali Maddox. Have you seen any of those? Oh, no, I haven't seen any of those, no. He, there, he's got a show called Hate Thy Neighbour. Um, the first series was absolutely amazing. And he basically go. I mean, the, if you haven't seen them, I really recommend them. He goes basically and spends like, you know, I don't know, like a week or two with like certain groups of people. And then like, and it kind of like cuts to him doing, you know, co- comedic lines from talking about his experience a lot. And then it'll show you footage. And like he went like with like a, the the Nazis in America. Um, and like I thought he was going to die at one point, it, it, like really, really, really bad. He went to Israel. Um, he went to Russia. Um, the one in England. Wow. Oh, good Lord. You need to Google it because it's just absolutely hilarious when he's talking to this ADL guy. You're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. It, but honestly, really recommend them. If you're looking for some kind of um, good challenging comedy, uh, definitely recommend those. Oh, there's an American but, guy called Jordan Klecker who goes, um, yeah. he, does, he does a lot of like baiting people at Trump rallies and stuff like that and just absolutely <laughs> exposing their hypocrisy through about two or three questions. Like he's he's brilliant as well. And there's there's some situations where he's watching him and I'm like, how has he not got punched? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Can I, yeah. can I quickly, Paul, can I quickly, just while we're talking about comedians, um, quickly plug um, the Women's Banner Group event in August so basically the Dermines Gala didn't happen this year so um, the body groups have been invited to create their own event and we're holding an event uh, on the 21st of August at Red Hills which is a Dermines Association in Durham for anybody who doesn't know um, and we have a fantastic comedian called Kate Fox she's, she's a feminist comedian she's going to come and do a piece for us I'm really excited for it Joe Solo is going to be there as well and we have it's all about education so we've got the president of NACWT we've got um, Adam's Education are going to come and um, and deliver some sessions for kids. So it's family friendly as well. There will be alcohol trucks. It's going to be amazing. So yeah, so yeah. Please Sounds come good. along. I'll look look out for adverts and things. Awesome. 
yeah sorry for a plug and becky no i don't like michael mcintyre i don't think he's funny <laughs> just to answer your question there laura no it's not okay if you plug that event so um okay sorry i rescind my previous comments then thank you <laughs> strike them from the record <laughs> we strike them from the record in the way that Matt Hancock strikes his lies yeah, <laughs> and just I not don't, I don't know why you asked which is why I said that I've no idea why you asked whether it's okay to do something um, because I'm not that, that, I think, that, I think that actually shows maybe a lot about your marriage is Laura is, is there something you want to tell us here that you have to always ask for permission <laughs> no I've never known I've it before I've had a few messages about I get this cluster here of freckles and I genuinely have had a few private messages going, Laura, are, are you okay? What's happened? I'm like, no, no, it's, it's not a black eye. It's freckles. <laughs> Everything's fine. I promise. And then, then I've got all these marks here because I've got this crazy bush outside of me front garden. And everyone's like, like Laura, are you okay? Honestly, I'm fine. Don't you just like to lie in the bush. Don't go in the sun. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> and if anyone's worried about my health, um, it's just my hands massively swollen because I was bitten by a horsefly. So oh my that god, really? That, that wasn't Laura slamming it in a car door. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, his hand looks like um Bear Max. <laughs> it's really bad. For anyone who's seen. Ba-la-la-la. Um, (laughs) i think we should go to the comments there so um uh laura lex on muck the week the other night was great feminist comedian um and uh what does that say to us if we're making personal comments about your body um i don't i'm I'm from cat there Um, yeah concerned who care I think it was genuine concern, wasn't it? It was. Uh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They were whereas I was making pithy comments, trying to take the piss. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> and we've also got the name of the awful comedian that I was talking about. I don't know why he's called a comedian. It's uh, um, Jeff Northcott. Um, he's he's not a comedian <laughs> in the traditional <laughs> sense. In that being f- funny is a prerequisite for being a comedian. <laughs> um, I don't think he's ever made anyone laugh, but he is a little bit... Uh, he is a little bit... Um, Shit. On the comedy circuit. <laughs> Somehow, imagine if you just rocked up he and says, Hello, I'm a comedian and I'm going to be a dick. <laughs> this is a problem. I think we should go out and challenge it the way like, the left are saying, well, I don't like the way people are identifying as whatever they want to be. We should be saying, well, I don't like the way you're identifying as a comedian. Um, it's an absolutely <laughs> awful... You can't just go around identifying as a comedian if you're not funny. <laughs> yeah, that kind of puts paid to our argument. We better be careful using that one. <laughs> like you can identify as whatever you want. <laughs> Well, they can Unless they can it's say a comedian whatever. and you're not funny. Also, can we reference the least funny joke that every single person in my um, school, where I teach children who, um, you know, aren't funny um, generally? Some of them are funny. Some of them can be really funny. But anyway, they'll, they'll like they'll they'll talk about trans issues. This is a big thing. They'll talk about it quite a lot. And everyone will always say, um, well. Can I identify as an Apache attack helicopter? And that's the thing. And you're like, well, 
if you want. If you want to be a complete knob, you can. But um, you know, <laughs> but these are the this is the right wing joke thing, and I th- it must have been on some sort of like popular YouTube channel, like um, Ben Shapiro or something like that. Oh God. Oh, he must that's, have all, said it that's all I've got to say about him. Yeah. <laughs> what's your reaction to the to the what's his name? Is it oh what's his name? Lawrence Fox is not Lawrence here. Fox. What I don't even know what he is or who he you know, because he shit at everything. Can you remember <laughs> Donald Cox the sweaty fox? Oh he, yeah. He, He's Lawrence Cox, the sweaty... Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Lawrence Fox, the sweaty... Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 See, I just think... So, um, Billy Piper, obviously, was married to Lawrence Fox for a while, but Billy Piper's a proper socialist. She's got this... But she's got a shit taste in She has terrible taste in her, yeah. Yeah, terrible. terrible. What is that? Tripped into that marriage. Yeah, I, I mean, know. like Lawrence. Oh my God, she's got. She has spawned children from that thing. I'm just like his his sister's Amelia Fox, isn't she? And she was like the first the first woman I, on TV that I ever found attractive. And, and so she's always been kind of like she's held this like wonderful place for me. I kind of. And find then who's her Amelia Fox? Amelia well, Fox. They're cousins. They're brothers or cousins. Brother. Oh, are they not? Are they not brother and sister? I don't know. I think they're either brother and sister or they're cousins. There's something. The further away they're related, the better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can't. Billy Piper's got that T-shirt. Billy Piper's friend designed that T-shirt that says uh, "Tory's very little help," and she was the first person that like he put <laughs> yeah. on Instagram, and it was massive. And I was like, "How? How were you married to Lawrence Fox?" Like, I... she was with him for about eight years, wasn't she? Oh can God, you... I know. Can I mean, he's had a mental breakdown since the split up. I don't know. But can you be know. that switched off for that long? I mean, or 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 is he just acting? And well, he's a terrible actor. But is he just? Like, is he, is <laughs> I all never this get stuff... that thing when there's people who are Has in relationships in where they're both completely opposite sides of the political spectrum. I mean, I get that you're never going to agree with everything that your partner says or does. But at the same time, I I, I can't. I couldn't do I it. Couldn't. How do you live with somebody? You can't care that much if you are prepared to be in a relationship with somebody who's completely on the opposite side. Of exactly. I, I just I, I I how does that work? I just couldn't. I couldn't. I think my blood my first of all my blood pressure would give, and then I would be in jail because I would have harmed that person. <laughs> And I don't believe in violence, by the way. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm very much a, you know, let's talk things through. But there's only so much talking you can do to certain people. And just, <laughs> how do you talk to that? So mm. uh, apparently, uh, so um, Amelia Fox Billy... is his cousin. Apparently. Oh, cousin. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I, thought was, I thought that. Also, what's he been in? I've, I've not seen him in anything. Did... Well, I, I don't think oh, I, I feel like I hadn't heard of him since like since before about two years ago when he started, you know, just talking shit in public. I saw him nice. got one of those faces. Things. He was he's in got one of those faces Netflix. he's been in stuff. Have to Google it. Good. Oh, he was in some shitty Netflix thing about a DJ who, you know, got murdered or something. Oh, he, he was in the hall. Oh, he liked Lewis. He was in Lewis. He was in Lewis. The first watch it. The spin-off. No. <laughs> he was in he was in Victoria, he was in Lewis, he was in Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth. I don't think oh he went in Brada. Gross. 
Oh, right. well, wouldn't okay. you know? He probably paid. He didn't get into it through his talent. He paid yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the odds to get in. Let's go positive. Let's go positive. Yeah, okay, we've gone a bit. Um, just right. Coogan. <laughs> no, that's not really. Steve, <laughs> Sorry. Steve Coogan in 2017, in 20, like late 2016, he wasn't convinced on Corbyn. And then in 2017, I think his daughter worked in Tom Watson's office and was the only Corbyn supporter. And he totally changed around. And Alan Partridge is a parody of all those awful right wing people. He's like, I remember seeing an interview with him before when he was going, well, I hate the Daily Mail. So Alan Partridge reads the Daily Mail. And he's like, <laughs> and everything he does is Alan Partridge, all those awful like top gearisms and stuff that he does are what he hates. So he just writes that into that. And we were listening to From the Oast House the other day. And, oh, uh, my God. Need to watch that. Need to, need to listen to that. I can I can it's barely so cope funny. with a TV show at the moment. Like I'm I'm watching it like this. It's just so so there's a really good bit. There's a really good bit that Garwell particularly like where he's where, what's what's the advert, Paul? It's for a fish and chip shop that's gonna like, he does little adverts in there because it's like a podcast when you got the lads in ads in. And it's for a fish and chip shop that is branching out into vegan food and he's like, Are you vegan? Are you trying a vegan diet? Then why don't you try chips? <laughs> <laughs> That's like this, the fish and chip shops branching out in it. Chips. Chips. <laughs> and, and maybe try it with our experimental vegan gravy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely worth listening to. It's hilarious. <sighs> oh, no, Leanne hated Steve Coogan and Rick Mail. No. Oh, Rick oh, Mail was a shame. You can't hate on Rick Mail. I used to love that uh, bottom. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. Especially, actually, I, I, the one that always sticks out for me. That whenever I, whenever I remember bottom, there's two actually two points. One was when the gas man came and the, the knocked him out, killed him, rolled him up in the carpet, and the other one was whenever the queen was coming. You know, there are the two things. That, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I always remember the the Christmas one where it was gold Frankenstein and girl. <laughs> 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 bottom was so good oh god just just oh. so silly but so funny we've been told bill bailey's a corbin supporter as well he's so a that's, dick that's, is he is he is yes he? look at that look at that Straight off. would you would you mind getting off the fence there tina as always i'm very articulate very calm and measured you know and i'm <laughs> Oh, he's a, he's a centrist melt. He started off as a Corbyn supporter and he changed. He, he went with the, the flow of the whole, you know, not strong enough, not a good leader. I think he was one of them big people's vote people. No, he's a melt. He's a centrist melt. I have this thing, basically, that if there's anybody who has ever desired power, they've basically just removed themselves from the running. And, you know, anybody who ever thinks they should be leading anything probably shouldn't be. Exactly. And, that, yeah, and that's yeah. a difficulty, isn't it? Because it's then pushing people to the fore who, you know, perhaps aren't <clears throat> leaning towards that direction anyway. But, yeah, I think if, I think I if you think want your power, it automatically precludes you from having it. I think your motivations are different. If you want to be a leader, if you want power, you're wanting it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, I think the people that, you know, uh, are leaders and, and people who can lead are people who inspire, people who, mm. you know, maybe... Um, 
are, aren't initially setting out to do that, but are motivated by doing something that, that leads other people to see them as a leader, you know. Hmm. But I, I always think, think people should see it as a as a responsibility and yeah. something you think, okay, I'll do it. Okay. A responsibility, not yeah, not a, we do the, yeah, no, uh, yeah, to, yeah. A desire or something. Yeah. We do this every AGM. You're like, who's going to do this? Like, uh, even even in local local party stuff, it's like, oh well, you know, if you you know if you want me to, then yeah, I suppose I'll do it. And we all ask each other, and we're all doing it. And the moment we're going through that process again, at the moment, oh, well, you know, and and when I became chair of Sedgefield CLP. I was like, I was organising people. I was like, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And we don't have a chair. And it was, oh, you should be chair. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to be. I don't really like that. I have no desire to do that. And, they were like, and people were like, well, okay, that's better. It's better that you don't want to do it. And I suppose that's the way it's got to be. Laura's always forced into things as well, aren't you, Laura? Yeah. It's how I ended don't up a uni oh, my last job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, speaking yeah. about forcing people into things... Gareth, the 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 joke has backfired. Gareth forced me with his militant veganism to try veganism, but I like it. So yeah. you know, tell him, tell him that. I can see yeah, the back. You've got the future is vegan on you, all, haven't you? See, I haven't yeah. managed that yet. Can't. can't You've also it. got a picture that's slanty as well. Have I? No, yeah. that's that. No, pass around. No, no, pass around slightly off. So. Yeah, it, it, oh, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's a little bit slanty. We're also going to update the wall if there's anyone you want to see on there. I think Mandela's going to end up on there at some point. Yeah, remove AOC, put Mandela in. Cheeky I know that leads to three men. Also. I know it leads to three men, but you know you got to have people that are true to their beliefs. Is not she weather. not anymore? Like what she does? She's not. She's a weather vane. No, she's not. She makes a she's statement right. and then she backtracks. And, I don't you know. I don't know. I think she's pretty unequivocal when she talks, and mm. she's, she's the little. She's deeper. all right. If mm. we if we can't, that for me, if we can't like say that she's at least okay, then we're never going to win anything. Yeah, like, she's really. okay. She'll be burnt she's out okay, by. But... She'll be burnt out by presidential age, I think. No, I think the machinery of government always takes over. You can go in, it's like anybody, you can go in very idealistic and have ideas yeah. of what you want to change, and then machinery of government takes over. But, you know, she, she made comments, you know, that were very, you know, solid on Venezuela, and then she backtracked, um, which is not often highlighted, but she backtracked and she backtracked. She did it on Corbyn, didn't she, as well? At one yeah, point. she backtracked on yeah. that, and 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 you know, she's all about, um, you know politics being driven from the grassroots and, and you know and she but then at the same time she took money you know that was you know the chief fundraised from her grassroots and gave it to other candidates to try and bolster their campaigns and that's kind of like well you know it's not really what you practice what you preach you know and I think you know if if you're gonna say you know if you're gonna build your campaign build your basis on something you've got to stick to it you know and you can't kind of you know equivocate from that and i just think that she does have a habit of saying but, one thing and then but this is kind of it. back a little this is the thing about socialism though you've got to have people around you and you've got to have people around you keeping you honest as well and if those people, like, she's got people in her office who are very, very grounded. So there's probably a little bit of to and fro in between her. She's in Congress with these people who are trying to, like, convince her of X, Y, and Z. And then she's got some real grassroots activists with her that are probably trying to 
tell her that what how things really are and that's the importance of grounding as well now mm. at least she's got something we know that because we've contacted her in the past and like all the grassroots people are like we'll have one of your grassroots people on please you know like a, a, a at some point on um, on socialist think tank, all those people who yeah, got definitely. her into power, um, we would we would love to have that at one point, and we know that they're still connected with her because they are answering her emails for her and things like that. But um, someone's mentioned like Leanne said, "Can you tell Kia that, please, Tina?" Um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think Kia's taking Tina's calls anymore anymore. <laughs> um, but. It, the thing is, he's got no grounding, has he? He's got no ground. He's got no one around him. He's like, oh, oh, oh pints. Yeah. Uh, he's and, grounded um, in the right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's in the right. I don't think it's necessarily the right. I think like the right and left things a bit nonsense now because he it doesn't mean anything. The right. He always votes yeah. to the right in CLP. You know, he's led by the right wing. You know, but it's that 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 kind of liberal crap stuff and the establishment. He's the establishment, isn't he? It's like those people who, oh no, mm-hmm. you couldn't possibly shake things up a little bit. You couldn't possibly do that. So it's not even. It's just this really bland, like I don't want to rock the boat. Which I think is there's why an issue on the, the government so much. I think Sorry, there's an issue on the left a bit as well of you know this idea of sort of kind of softer politics but then also you'll never get people on the right kind of trying to dilute their point to interest Mm -hmm. or or you know appeal to more people you'll never get that they say what they say and they stick to it and on the left we're always trying to sort of make it more accessible for people or we're trying to engage more people with it and you end up always kind of diluting the original point that you're trying to make moving further and further away from it and then it's kind of this thing well what do you actually stand for anyway um, whereas with the right, you have a definitive like set of statements, set of ideals, which are the you know which are like it or lump it basically. And I think the the struggle that we have on the left is that you know a lot of the time we are kind, socially responsible people who are trying to you know get as many people involved as we can, and we risk yeah diluting the messages basically. And then people That's are what sure about, about centrism as well. Like centrism is like, okay, well, their argument is, well, you know, really we're left wing, but we're pragmatic. So what we'll do is we'll we'll take this like centrist position where we'll do this thing. What they really say if that was a negotiation, imagine that. Actually I'm left wing, so actually I want something for cheap. And the other person wants to sell it for me expensive. So what I'll do is my starting bid will be halfway between. Mm. There's, you know, like, and I will pick well, centrism. That is not a negotiating strategy. Well, what, what the they don't mean do that, is, but they, they pretend to do that. That's a trick the left, really. It's the, like, the, oh, no, we're pragmatists. They tend to just think that instead, what they tend to do is they tend to go with public opinion rather than trying to shift it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of try to base their message around, like, well, the majority of people think this. So let's tailor our message to that and try, and then we'll get they'll they'll give us their votes rather than trying to persuade people that you know a certain way of thinking or a certain idea is how that you know life can be better. So they you know that that's what they tend to do. They so that's why they tend to shift to the right or shift slightly. You know that may appear to be to the left every so often. You know they're just trying to go with what the majority think, and that's why they have think tanks. That's why they, they do so much of that kind of policy based on think tank which is let's get people into a room and let's 
let's float this idea. Well, how, how can we make it more popular to the majority of people rather than trying to persuade mm. people with the proper argument of, of, of what, you know, the policy is good? And I, I think sometimes... we've got but, that name, by the way. The, the well, socialist think tank was, was sort of a parody on that. There is no socialist think tank. There, is, there just isn't one. Sorry, Alice. You go on. Well, no, I was just going to say, because I think what, what we have to do, you know, as left-wingers, as socialists, is be trying to sort of present a kind of utopian ideal. What do we actually want society to look like? And, you know, for better or worse, I do feel that that's what Jeremy Corbyn presented in, his, uh, in the, the Labour manifesto. Um, and that's that's so what we basically have to be doing is presenting this kind of utopian ideal. But we have to that was a mild form. Yeah. And that's, that but that's it. <laughs> and we have, to, we have to be sort of fixed on the on what we're actually kind of trying to get towards. And I think that's where we fall down sometimes because the ideas are so disparate. And then the, the left itself is also, you know, in this battle where it's kind of eating itself as well. Mm. Um, but, you know, we need to present that utopian ideal and stick to it and not equivocate and not try and yep. divert the message and not try and, you know, broaden it to sort of appeal to more people because, yep. you know, the right doesn't do that and it's very, very successful. There's a song I, in uh, there, you know. I, I think that is an absolutely class statement. So what I'm going to do now is we have been on for an hour and a half, which is generally our generally our time for a cutoff. Um, people who are on the call, um, we will discuss afterwards for a couple of minutes what we've been drinking and things like that. If anyone, <laughs> does anyone or, or, unless anyone really wants to know now what we've been drinking, what are you eating there, Tina? I'm eating actually a bit of banana bread. A banana bread. Banana. banana bread. So the only thing yeah. there was, it got no crisps. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna come to closing comments for everyone. Um, and then we'll do a little wrap up where I'll tell you again to subscribe and everything like that. So, um, I will start with I'll do, I think we'll do Tina, Laura, and Alice in that order. Tina, closing comments for tonight. Well, being you know, as profound as I always am, I would say don't eat banana bread, eat the rich. <laughs> nice, nice. Laura. That was the most succinct I've ever seen you, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my closing comments will be thank you for everyone for coming on. It's been really good and really interesting. Um, I firmly believe that um we need to utilize all the tools that we have, um, including music and poetry and literature and um standing on a street corner shouting and placards and social media and whatever we've got we need to use it to try and help whether that reaches a tiny audience or a massive one if it is something you've got use it um and i i, I strongly believe that music is a really good way to do that um whether you're speaking to your own who already know who just need a little push or whether you're speaking to an entirely new audience who who are hearing it for the first time and are inspired by it, um, just go out there and do it and create something and let's create let's carry on the movement and try and bring down the bastards. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can come up with something quite as pithy. I mean, I don't. I suppose. My main message from the original stuff I was talking about was don't listen to musicians about politics quite as much as maybe um, the people who inspire them, perhaps. Um, 
prepare to enter into situations where you can have your viewpoints challenged and never hold a viewpoint without trying to do the background work as to how you got to that viewpoint in the first place. Um, and then, yeah, just the whole thing about the utopian ideal. Work out what it is that you're actually fighting for and then work out a plan of action. And it is Killer Mike, I think, from Run the Jewels, has, he says, plot, plan, organise and then do the activism. So that's what we need to do. Brilliant. I'm going to do the um, I'm going to do the like, share and subscribe thing. So please don't forget to like this video if you've liked it. Well, or, or just anyway, just do it anyway, if you even vaguely like us. Um, share, subscribe to our YouTube, please. That would be extremely valuable to us. If you've got a Google um, email account, you can do these things. People think they can't subscribe to YouTube. They can if you've got a Google account. You can go and do that now. That would be absolutely brilliant for us. So um, you can be a member of Socialist Think Tank. It is free um, if you want it to be. You can donate if you want to do that. There is no distinction between you don't get any more for donating. You just get the satisfaction that you help us to create some content and uh, and spread the message out there so um if you wanted to donate it's always appreciated never expected and um we do love anyone who wants to help us at all whether that's liking and sharing or donating or being a member so please do become a member it is really really supportive hopefully for everyone um and uh i was going to say something that i've totally forgotten about um, I was, but thank you so much to the guests who've um, who've come on tonight. No one's asked us what we're drinking, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's Havana Club for me, <laughs> Mr. Porsche. Mm. <laughs> well, it's just been my birthday, you know, so I got some oh, uh, yeah, nice things, yeah. and also yeah. also it's from and it's from Cuba too. So that's always a a, a nice positive thing for me to um, represent Cuba and uh, avoid the trade blockade. I always feel like I've won when I um, when I have Havana Club because somehow, yeah, some, somehow Cuba's produce got to me by accident. Even though, even though I got it from Morrison's. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to say as well, there's a competition running at the minute from Social Think Tank. You can win a set of pin badges. If you go onto our YouTube channel and like and comment on one of the videos, you do also need to subscribe to be in with a chance to win those badges. Um, get over there and do it now. They're really cool. Like, I don't even know if there might be limited edition ones, so do it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm the, I do remember the thing I wanted to say, and I'm really worried I come across as, as, as patronising in this point, but the quality of discussion tonight when i sat back and i was just like this is amazing so like everyone like i did i didn't have to speak everyone was coming in and stuff like that and that's what happens when you get good socialist women speaking to one another on a platform this doesn't really happen on very many channels where you would have a a, a woman biased uh like so more women than men but you often see more men than women and you often see people who are um who will want women to just be there for some sort of like you know oh we got a woman on we got a woman on no, we're totally run by women like you know like we're at least 50 50 on socialist think tank and uh i think that makes a massive difference and i think it's a really positive thing that we've got going on so yeah, this oh, is the future of socialism. 
Yeah, thanks. And uh, Alice, you're Always welcome. A pleasure. Any, any, any time at all. And Tina, you're probably practically forced on half the time. <laughs> I'm a bit of the furniture. <laughs> Don't worry, Paul. We'll get rid of you very soon. It will be a hundred percent women. Honestly, I'm trying. <laughs> He is trying. I, I, I really am trying. It's just like you know, I, I, I run no, we the punish tech, you. So. We we always drag you on because it's like no, you you will be forced to do this. Just like I, I, I will be, I will be forced to run tech until the end of my days. You know, I'll be, I'll be sitting there in the background, I'm, and I've done it. Some people will know that I've done this in the background when I'm like, okay, and I'm just pressing buttons and things like that and switching scenes and you know, so um. That's that is my primary purpose. Thank you, everyone. I think it's very appropriate that I don't have the last word on this one. So um take it away, everyone. Thank you and goodbye. Cheers. Enjoy Cheers. the rest of the weekend. Yeah, all right. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Brilliant. <laughs> all right. Bye. We'll take the red flag flag here.